0: Hey there, it's Gary Nersis, Friday, March 2. Welcome back to the IOWA College Basketball Podcast. I've got Matt Norlander here with me. and We got a lot to get to, including a, a look ahead to this weekend's biggest games, most notably, obviously, uh, Duke at North Carolina. But I want to start with the Big Ten because uh, that league sure has taken uh, a, a wacky form. Uh, Purdue is going to be the outright champ. That's a byproduct of. Uh, Wisconsin losing Thursday night at home to Iowa, by the way. Speaking of, Wisconsin suddenly sucks. They've lost five of their past six games. Minnesota and Northwestern, meantime, are both in the top five of the league standings. Indiana and Ohio State, two big brands of the league. Uh, They're 10th or worse in the league standings. And Illinois suddenly making a push for the NCAA tournament. Is this, Norlander, the wackiest league of of the big leagues that we got in college basketball as we sit here on March 3rd?
1: I think it might be the wackiest league in all of college basketball as we sit here on March 3rd. And I wrote a column late on Thursday night after Wisconsin really lost in hideous fashion. They really should not have had any business dropping that game against Iowa. Iowa outscored them 14-3 down the stretch and 7-zip in the final minutes there. And the execution was bad. Bronson Koenig took a bad two-pointer. Kind of rushed it, in my opinion. And so Iowa gets the win. Iowa's actually now developing a... Bizarre tournament resume they're almost like a poor man Syracuse and the wins that they've got uh, when you mesh it with the the losses that they have but the Big Ten Is it a good year? Or is it a bad year? That's the question I'm posing because Purdue is the only team that has a shot at a four seed and if Purdue does not reach the Big Ten title game it probably won't get a four seed and You couldn't say that any team that's coming out of the Big Ten is a realistic national title contender No team out of the Big Ten would crack a top 10 maybe a top 12 list to win the title. Now, because Caleb Swanigan is so good and has been so good, I do think that Purdue has a chance to make a Final Four. I think he is that capable, and I think they are that well-rounded. And the way that Painter's has coached this team, I think, gives them a shot. In fact, if, uh, if I can, the next week or so, I might try and work in a quick story about how, what Painter's done with this team, stuff he told me about earlier in the year, and the way that he coaches his guys. But if you're the Big Ten, and the best things about your league in a given year are Northwestern, and uh, having a guy that might win player of the year, and that's about it, uh, you're probably having a down year. On the flip side, Parrish, this could be a record-setting year for the Big Ten because they've never sent as many as eight teams to the tournament. That is now a realistic possibility. But as I wrote in the column, like this, this league is just ever-changing by the day, and no one is going to be able to predict what's going to happen here. And I'm talking in terms of who gets in, where teams are seated. I still think we're going to have a lot of weird results i think we could have a bonkers bizarre team like you know iowa me, uh, iowa or michigan illinois like randomly wind up in the league title game like i just think that any of those things are very possible so it makes it interesting i don't think it's a great year i do think it's going to be a memorable one because ultimately you they're going to get seven in uh mike at eight and the thing is though all those teams are going to be are going to be on the seven line or lower and a lot of them are going to be clogged in that 10 11 spot i think Maybe get one or two to the first four. So you're not going to have teams making it into the Sweet 16. But there are plenty that are in the picture, at least. And that's uh, that's something, Parrish, I guess. It's just weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. They could put a record number of teams in the NCAA tournament. A record for the Big Ten. Not a record for any league in the country, but a record for the Big Ten. And then look up and have one in the Sweet 16. And maybe zero. I mean, I think Purdue's good enough to get there. Um, I mean, the, like, let's be clear. Any of Once you're in as a 12 or better seed, you you got a chance to get there. I mean, there's, like, there's nothing crazy about being a double-digit seed, 12 or better, and ending up at the Sweet 16. It doesn't necessarily happen every year, but it happens often. So any of them can get to the Sweet 16, but uh, my guess would be the Big Ten is one of those leagues that puts a whole bunch of teams in the tournament, and then you look up on uh, Sunday night of the opening weekend, and you go, well, oh, well, that was fun, but they're all gone now. Or, or you know, uh, all but one of them, are, are gone now. And so it just sort of does, I guess, to, uh, come down to how you look at it. Because when you ask the initial question, is this a good year or a bad year for the Big Ten, uh, the truth is the league as a whole uh, ranks as the fourth best league best league in the country, according to Ken Palm. Last year, it was fifth best. So the league as a whole, at least according to Ken Palm, is Palm, is, is better. But I think the casual basketball fan and maybe some serious basketball fans tend to look at leagues and say, You're great if you've got greatness at the top. You're not if you don't. And I don't know that there's greatness at the top of this. Um, I I like Purdue. I think I like Purdue better than most. I'm still driving the Caleb Swanigan for National Player of the Year train. Um, But I don't know that Purdue's great. Can I sit here with a straight face and tell you that Purdue's great? I think Purdue's good. I think Purdue's really good. Uh, But, you know, is Purdue going to be in in anybody's Final Four outside of a Purdue fan's Final Four? I I doubt it. Uh, Let's talk about Northwestern uh for a second uh, that did it the other night by the way right it was a Wednesday night yeah. they win at the buzzer a incredible final second play um it doesn't matter they can lose to Purdue this weekend they can lose their Big Ten tournament opener Northwestern's in the NCAA tournament that's done right
1: uh, I'm firmly believing that it's done and I had a little bit of you know I, I wrote this piece back in January that was like half tongue-in-cheek just saying hey this is gonna like I, I genuinely felt that this would be the year uh that Northwestern would not only get in but they'd get in with but it was also like half tongue in cheek just because those kind of uh pieces have been kind of written in the past only be burned um and so people have kind of given me grief like they were never a lock in january obviously they weren't a lock in january i just i did believe uh that it was going to happen while acknowledging the fact that yes uh, this could clearly severely backfire and no reason to run from it at this point when you and No one team is in a vacuum. We almost have to say that on every podcast because results that happen around other teams can impact those teams unless the team in question just continues to win and win and win and win. Northwestern hasn't done that. But here's why I think that Wildcats fans should feel fairly confident that even if they lose to Purdue and they drop their first Big Ten tournament game. And by the way, I don't think that will happen. But if you're a Northwestern fan, one of the <laughs> – I'm going to give Will Leach a little bit of love here because he lo- he's an Illinois fan. He loves poking, af- fa- poking fun at the fact that there's like only 800 Northwestern fans in the world and like 700 are in the media. Right. <laughs> but if uh, – and by the way, there is something to that. Um, this story is so big, partly because they never make the tournament, but partly because there are dozens and dozens of people in the media who attended Northwestern. If Northwestern was instead, let's just say – Let's say Providence had never made the tournament ever in its history. Okay, a lot of media people don't go to Providence. Like, it would still be a cool story, but we probably wouldn't be talking about it as much as we have this season. There's no doubt about it that it's a media influence thing, but whatever. No, I if mean, you it's, wanna... it's,
0: it's media influence in the sense that, you know, all the media follows the other media on, tr- on Twitter. So it looks like you're just – when Northwestern does anything, it's like, Northwestern, Northwestern, Northwestern. It's from all these Northwestern alums. And then – of course Selena is in the crowd at all the games. So like what are you gonna do?
1: No doubt. <laughs> absolutely. Uh shout out to Elaine Bennis, Salina Meyer, Julia Louis Dreyfus. No, absolutely it's it's and that's really cool, uh without a doubt. Um, so, but if uh, the point I'm making is if you're a Northwestern fan, you want to believe they're going to lose to Purdue and you want to believe they'll lose their first Big Ten tournament game because that's just what they've done over the years. That's fine, whatever. But I don't think that's going to happen. They're standing within their league. They're standing within the rest of the at-large field right now to me is so strong that I don't believe that no matter what happens around them, i I find it extremely hard to forecast a situation where there are enough teams that are below them that win enough games to leapfrog them that if they lost two, they would be bumped out. I think they have done enough at this point. I think that their power numbers are good enough. Their overall, um, their RPI top 50 wins are still lacking. I understand that. The win against Wisconsin has been devalued. I understand that. But it was also a road win, so there there is value in that. And Northwestern's ability to win some games away from home will help them a lot. So I think that they are in. Um, that game, by the way, against Purdue on Sunday is on uh, the network of Stars Parish. So That's CBS they
0: could... it's America's most watched network.
1: indeed. And uh, real quick before I toss it back to you, just speaking about the win, um, an, an incredible win, obviously, uh, the biggest play in the history of that program. Uh, obviously the the play that uh, is most similar over the past, 25-plus years to the Leitner play that won it for Duke over Kentucky in the regional semi in Philly back in 92. Um, This one was an even longer pass, and uh, I actually wondered in the moment if he had maybe gotten away with the travel. Uh, But regardless, it was just a a terrific play, some weak defense by Michigan, an awesome moment, a really good way to just kick off what should be an amazing March. Uh, That game was on March 1st. This is officially March, people, and um, good for Northwestern. Really fun, really cool story, and... I mean, damn! What a what what a game and what a way to get a really a really good and needed win at home and maybe just uh, shake off the ghosts.
0: I'm glad you said weak defense by Michigan because that has gotten lost in this whole thing. Like, how do you get? How hey, you got five guys on the court and they throw it over everybody's head? Like, at least with the Leitner play, and obviously not putting somebody on the inbound guy is is like forever a problem. Um, but with the Leitner play, at least he had to make a catch and make a dribble and make a shot. Like here, they just threw. It's just like it looked like eight year olds. They just threw it over everybody's head and then laid it in. It was dumb. Like it was a great play. Like uh, my buddy Jeff Cawkins, um, who's the columnist in Memphis, uh, host a radio show on on the same station that I'm on. His son is a freshman at Northwestern, and I was like, man, I hope he, I hope he was there because like, I mean that that's really one of the college basketball moments that people will remember forever. Like, I don't think that's overstating it. The night Northwestern secured a bid to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history with a hell Mary pass at the win at the buzzer. Like, it was bananas. and and But it was also dumb. Like, how does that happen? How do you let them throw it over your head like that?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. It is it is just, it's bizarre. Um, perhaps they didn't think they'd go that long. Because also, if you want to consider it from that angle, Parrish. I'm Without a doubt and you would never have anticipated a pass that would be dropped essentially two feet from the rim because it's such a hard thing to pull off. That's the only explanation I can think. Also pretty cool that um, they'd never practiced the play. It was drawn up in the huddle and it was just kind of the game was tied. So it was just like, hey, let's just throw it deep. And, you know, if, if they get it, you know, they're going to have all of a step and a heave for 80 feet. They're not going to you know be able to pull that off 99% of the time. So it works. Michigan was a little bit caught off guard and, and, and here we are. But man, I mean, Northwestern is probably the be- like Purdue's the best team, but Northwestern is the best thing about the big 10 this year. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It is, it is kind of interesting that their big year has come in a year. That's just, you know, Michigan state's down with, Wisconsin's really skittish. Maryland's just totally fumbled and stumbled here. Um, Indiana we just not. Ha- Indiana way down. way down. I mean, way down. I mean, but, Ohio but, State but, down again. Yeah, so, but that's yeah. the
0: key to having one of those jobs, like Northwestern, like uh, uh, Minnesota. Like the key to having one of those jobs is you've got to take advantage when some of the big brands are down, and when you've got Ohio State down, Indiana down, Maryland falling all over itself. Like, that's, that's where you got to have your breakthrough year. And from a coaching perspective, that's when you got to have your breakthrough year and get your contract extension. And so, um, you know, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Northwestern and Chris are doing that. Uh, Minnesota, Richard Petino is, is, is doing that. Um, it's been wonderful years for both of them. By the way, what do you do for Big Ten Coach of the Year? Usually, if you win a league outright by multiple games, which is what Purdue looks like it's about to do, um, or at least has a chance to do, uh, you're almost by default. You can be the coach of the year. Other than that, you know, you got Chris Collins. You know, going to the NCAA tournament, taking a school for for the first time. That's coach of the year stuff, undeniably. Uh, but then Richard Pitino. I mean, what a turnaround for those guys. I mean, Minnesota was what were they last year? They were uh, eight and twenty-three last year, and now they're twenty-three and seven. That's fifteen more wins already than they had all of last year. That's that's coach of the year stuff as well. I think Eileen towards Chris Collins just for the historical aspect of this he's doing something that's literally never been done before uh, but you could make a case for Painter you could also make a, pay- a case for Richard Pitino uh,
1: what I think is going to happen is the Purdue Northwestern winner on Sunday on CBS It will determine the winner of the coach of the year now Petino, what he did was humongous the turnaround is one of the biggest in the sport this year Parrish but my suspicion is with that game between the Boilermakers and the Wildcats being the last regular season game in the league on national TV, and it would give Purdue a really good chance at a really good seed, or just, you know, beyond a doubt in any universe, lock up a bid for Northwestern. I think the winner of that game will win League Coach of the Year.
0: Let me tell you about SeatGeek really quickly. Buying tickets online uh, for sports and concerts has always been confusing, but it's not anymore. Not if you use uh, SeatGeek and you use the promo code CollegeBB. That's College. Uh, BB. Here's what you're going to do. Download the SeatGeek app, purchase tickets, use the promo code BB and SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket uh, purchase. And SeatGeek, what it does is take all of the work and all of the questions out of the process. You don't have to search multiple ticket sites anymore. You search SeatGeek, uh, they do all the searching for you. They're the ones searching all the multiple uh, uh, ticket sites. They're the one handling price comparison for you. So you don't have that worry that you used to have, that I used to have. Uh, am I getting ripped off? Is this really the best seat I can find? Is this really the best price I can find? Trust SeatGeek. They'll find the best seat for you. They'll find the best price for you. And then if you use the college uh, CollegeBB promo code, that's CollegeBB, uh, they're going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So do that. Go download the SeatGeek app, purchase tickets, use the promo code, CollegeBB. BB And I mean tickets to anything, not just college basketball games, NBA games, hockey games, concerts, doesn't matter. Uh, The college BB promo code will work for anything. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. And then the other interesting story in the Big Ten, I think, is Illinois. I mean, this is a team that is now on a little winning streak, coming off of a uh, victory over uh, Michigan State uh, that has pushed them to... 18 and 12 overall, 8 and 9 in the Big Ten. They've got Rutgers on Saturday. Um, yes, it's a road game, but you should be able to knock that out. And suddenly, they're like in the NCAA tournament conversation uh, right now. I believe Jerry Palm has them as uh, one of the last four teams uh, in the bracket. Uh, that'll go away if you lose at Rutgers. But uh, it appears that they're going to be heading into the Big Ten tournament with an opportunity to get an at-large bid. This after starting 3 and 8 in the Big Ten. Are you surprised by Illinois' turnaround?
1: Well, in a way, yes. I did have Illinois at the start of the year in the first four, so this might end up uh, twisting on me and, and me getting lucky and being right there. Um, I'm interested At in, Man, Palms got him in. I don't know if I'd have them in right now. I'd probably have them just being out now. The win at Rutgers... See, the, the Rutgers game just does you no favors, Parrish, because it's, it's on the road... You get it, fine, but Rutgers isn't that that good. Um, it just kind of keeps you steady. But if you lose it, without a doubt, you put yourself in a really tough bind. Um, and, and so now Illinois is just – that's really one of the trickiest games, I think, of any team that's that's going to be facing this weekend. Win it? Hmm, man. I'd have to see what other teams do. Um, they'll definitely need – at least one win in the big 10 tournament and maybe two, depending on what other teams push. We also have to keep in mind that although there aren't that many potential bid thieves this season, they happen every year. We might get one or two. Um, so teams that are right on that cut line, first four in first four out, a uh, couple teams will be victimized because we'll have one or two teams that really didn't have much of a chance of being in at large, wind their way into the tournament. That's an inevitability we could hit every single season. And it's kind of part of the fun and the flavor of the tournament, to be honest with you. Um, What's crazy is, and this, by the way, real quick pair you know, Illinois right now is eight and nine in the Big Ten, and people have this idea that, um, in fact, Lunardi had spoken about this, and I, I just couldn't disagree more. This uh, this notion that, you know, your conference record and what you do um, should, should be something of a barometer as to whether uh, how seriously you should be considered for at-large candidacy or whether you should be considered at all. Lunardi had said, you know, if it was up to him, he would not have teams below 500 in their conference be eligible for at-large discussion. That's just, to me, that doesn't work, especially in a season like this when you've got the Big Ten presenting these cases that are interesting like Illinois, when you've got the ACC, when it's such a tough league um all of this can be so circumstantial and by the way it puts way too much of an emphasis on league play when really the committee needs to be looking at what these teams from the tra- traditional big 6 conferences are doing outside of their league how they are scheduling where they are playing if they are going on road games so if people are looking at illinois and saying wow that team won't even get above 500 in a big 10 that's fairly weak why why should they even be considered for the at large um the at large pool just take a take a broader look see where they're ranked See who they defeated. They have a, they have a win over VCU that is pretty critical right now, in my opinion. And they've been able to win road games as of late, three in a row. Uh, and when you can tally up road wins, that's going to mean something to the committee. So it's it goes beyond just a simple surface criticism of, oh wow, they uh they, they can't even finish and get to ten wins in the Big Ten. Why are they even a bubble team?
0: I'm with you on this. Like the idea I, I don't even look at conference records. Neither like, do I. I mean, like when I when I'm doing the top twenty five and one, like I have no idea where teams are in their league. I mean, I, l- listen, I have some idea. Like I know North Carolina's at the top of the ACC. I know Purdue's at the top of the Big Ten, but like I don't, I don't really look at it because, like, outside of the Big Twelve and, and a handful of other leagues, but for the most part, teams don't play the same schedules in the league. Where the games matter, where the games happen, matters. Like you know, you can you can actually have two teams. One that went 10 and eight in the league, and another that went eight and 10 in the league. and the eight and ten's more impressive than the 10 and eight based on where the games the games were played, based on who the opponents actually were. Somebody was tweeting uh, a pretty uh, interesting note about Duke's ACC schedule the other day where they've played, I don't remember the specifics, but let's just—they
1: you know, got the tough games on the road, where Carolina didn't, or something right. like that. Right? Yeah, it was something, it was. It was something yeah.
0: like that, and that matters. That is worth considering, you know. So yeah, I'm with you. Like I don't think conference records should have anything to do with whether you make the NCAA tournament, because what the selection uh, committee has long said uh, is that we look at your entire body of work, and uh, to then do something outside of that. And actually use it as a tool for elimination, I think would just first off it would run counter to what you say you're trying to do, uh, but B, it's 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 fundamentally unfair. People don't play the same league schedules. Um, you know, going eight and ten in the Big Twelve is is more impressive than going eleven and seven in the American Athletic Conference you going to tell me that the 11-7 and 7 team from the American Athletic Conference would be eligible for the NCAA tournament, but the team that went 8-10 and 10 in the Big 12 would be ineligible based on strictly those two things? That doesn't make any sense to me. That make any sense? And
1: to that's you? why, yeah, that's precisely why they don't look at conference affiliation and conference records when they talk about seeding and at-large because you get into just way too many uh, hypotheticals that don't line up, that don't make any sort of sense, uh, not to mention that unbalanced league schedules just have, have taken that part of any sort of potential evaluation way off the table no doubt about it i think this is something that most media members are actually pretty aware of and don't consider when we talk about teams that are on the bubble teams that are going to get in whereas i think fans still very much care about leagues league perception where their teams are doing within their league and to them that still means more now i think doesn't mean as much as maybe a decade ago but it's still something that um certain parts of the fan base of college basketball are still they, they aren't fully adapted to it yet, but yeah, I just can't uh, emphasize it enough. You know, Your league record it has zero, absolutely zero, to do with uh, where you are seated in the tournament. Uh,
0: the other thing that's interesting about the Illinois story is they're not just a bubble team you know, playing for an opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're a bubble team with a hot seat coach, a man who might be coaching for his job. Uh, and I ended up writing about that yesterday as it relates to Kansas State and Illinois because both of those teams – got big wins on Wednesday night. It's funny how it lines up. It's the Illinois coach and the former Illinois coach. And uh, with those wins, Kansas State won at TCU. Illinois beat Michigan State. I believe Illinois went into the last four in. And Kansas State, according to Jerry Palm, was like literally the first team left out of the field, meaning they got a chance to get to the NCAA tournament as well. And the truth is, while – there are examples of coaches keeping their jobs when they miss the NCAA tournament obviously and coaches getting fired even when they make the NCAA tournament. Most famously, I think recently Ben Hallen and UCLA played Tubby Smith in Minnesota in the NCAA tournament and both those coaches got fired um, you know after their seasons were over. Ben got fired at UCLA and Tubby got fired at Minnesota even though Tubby made the NCAA tournament and advanced in the NCAA tournament. So um, there's precedent for coaches getting fired when they make the tournament. Precedent for coaches keeping their jobs when they missed the tournament, even though they were on the hot seat. Um, but I've just always thought it's kind of insane to watch somebody, in Bruce Weber's case, in John Gross's case, have a job for five years and have their careers. Uh, by extension, multi-million dollar financial commitments. Either a school's going to buy out somebody for, for millions of dollars or extend them for millions of dollars. Um, to have their careers come down to what is essentially two weeks of, a of, you know, before selection Sunday, that's about where we're at right now. Like there is a scenario under which um, I, I think Bruce wins enough to keep his job or loses enough to, to lose it. And I think it's less clear with, with John, because the truth is with John, I, I would keep him no matter what at this point. Uh, I, I I think he's had such bad luck through his first four years. This year, he's got his team playing well at the right time of the year. They might fall a little short of the NCAA tournament, but they got, a, I think, the 11th ranked recruiting class in America set to enroll. Like, I would keep John regardless of what happens. And, and perhaps Illinois will keep John regardless of what happens. But the idea that we talk about it all the time. You see it on Twitter, like Illinois wins. And it's like, that's a big win for John Gross's career. Or Bruce Weber, or Kansas State wins. And boy, Bruce Weber really needed that one for his career. Like, I guess the, the point of the column wasn't that you've got to keep your coach no matter what. It wasn't that you got to fire your coach no matter what. It was just like, by now, you should know. You should know whether you got the right guy for your job. And almost regardless of what happens over the next couple of weeks, um, your mind should be made up on what you're going to do. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I think I disagree with you a little bit here, Parrish, um, but I'd also agree in, in certain regards because it is an interesting thing to take stock of. Um, if we want to maybe let fans a little bit in on this process, basically what just about any athletic director is, has done and is doing and, and what's part of the job is no matter where you are with whatever kind of coach you have, uh, you always have, a certain list of guys that if you know unpredictable circumstances or predictable or expected circumstances come um, you would have a list of potential candidates to uh, replace the, your current coach and so I think when Kansas State and Illinois when they have continued seasons of uh, disappointment From the fan base i guess um within the the realm of those athletic departments and the expectations they have and and what they haven't been able to do in league play and by the way speaking about fans parish and and their expectations and tracking conference play this is a very big thing Uh, this means a lot to um pretty much almost any fan base in terms of how do you do in the league are you over the course of three, four, five years, are you uh, are you an above five hundred coach in your own conference because if if you you know if year after year um, injuries or not, if you're not able to maintain or at least hit those levels of top three, top four in your conference, um, then I know understand the heat will ultimately come in that in that realm, I understand um, if you think Bruce Weber is just simply not going to be able to get it done, if you feel as though, you know, you're going to have to get someone else to get Kansas state and the fan base more consistently near the top of the league. I get it. Um, But the reality, and here's where I think you are. You're fairly correct. Um, The reality is the sport has the most attention on it over, you know, the next four weeks. And if you can win critical games that are nationally relevant, that everyone is watching, everyone is talking about and You can rally in those kind of ways. It obviously changes your life. It's why John Gross is at Illinois to begin with, because he was good at Ohio. He took them into the tournament, got NCAA tournament wins. And an athletic director said, that guy just took a small school, got big wins. I want him at my school. So the reason that John Gross got hired could also be the reason why he gets fired. Um, I know. I think that's crazy.
0: That's my point. I think that's crazy. I know.
1: I know. And so, yeah, and I'm just about done here. But um, I, I understand that. Uh, I don't see how we are going to get away from it. Now, I think your point is accurate. I wish there was more balance to it, um, but if the bottom line is making NCAA tournaments and you're not doing that five, six years in, or you're only doing one out of every five or six years, that in general, I I understand that. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's just it just is what it is. I mean. This is not going to change it's just not I mean what you do in March is going to determine if you get hired or fired um and sometimes it's dumb that it can come down to literally two or three games um but I, and I don't even know how new this is, but I think your your column was warranted and needed and some good perspective um I just wonder if there's you know from the athletic director's side if there might be a little more nuance than just simply that i don't know I mean that might be up for debate as all
0: right no um it- like my point is uh, essentially like you should know by now what if you if you're at in Can- Kansas state situation is a little it's it's it, it, there's some other things going on there most notably oh yeah
1: now it's complicated they, the AD's gone the AD's I mean, going to so- Tennessee
0: John Curry and so like what do you do like you going to try to run a coaching search without like I don't know I don't know if that's a good thing for Bruce or a bad thing for Bruce I I think I would think it's a good thing probably because the school might just say Hey, listen. The guy had a had a good year, relatively speaking. Let's keep him one more year. Get our AD in, and then let our new AD take stock of everything. I, I don't know, um, but uh, my my point would be: uh, under normal circumstances, like if you if you're if you've been the AD for five years and you've got a coach who's been there for five years, uh, you should know by now whether Bruce Weber's the right guy for your job, whether John Gross is the right guy for your job or wrong guy for your job. Like I'm not, like, I'll, I'll let other people make up their minds about which is which, or you know. Uh, but you, I, I, the idea that it should be influenced by, by to use your phrase, what you do in March, I understand that is the way it is, and I'm not trying to change it. All I was trying to do is shine a light on it and say, isn't this insane that universities make multi-million-dollar uh, investments uh, based on whether Tom Tom Nairn makes a 23-footer at the end of a uh, Illinois Michigan State game or? The other day, Kansas State wins by one point in a game at TCU, which is awesome. But the idea that a one-point win in March could be the difference between a man getting fired and a man uh, keeping his job, like, seems bananas to me. I got a text from an agent last night uh, who represents coaches, and he said that he's always thought, if you're an athletic director, that you should not be influenced by anything that happens after February 15th. Make up your mind. Like, Like, in other words, his point was... Don't get caught up in the moment of, oh, my coach who is going nowhere and who's got no recruits coming in and who's got, you know, has, has led us into a bad situation, got hot in the last four weeks of the season and made the NCAA tournament, I'm going to keep him. Like, if you if, if you already knew he wasn't the guy, don't be influenced by him getting hot at the right time. And, and and vice versa. If you know he's the right guy, like if you're at Illinois and you go, you know what, this whole John Gross thing hasn't worked out the way we anticipated but he's got the program headed in the right direction. He's got a top 15 recruiting class ready to enroll. Um, I'm keeping him for a sixth year and I don't care what happens at Rutgers. I don't care if we get good news from the selection committee or not. I've got the right guy. I hope he makes the NCAA tournament, but I've got the right guy either way. I'm keeping him like to me, that's what makes sense. Like, uh, like have a, have a a conviction about your coach by now, one way or another, and then make whatever decision you want to make. I'm not I'm not advocating you got to keep the guys or or you you got to fire the guys. I'm just saying um, the idea that it, it it is often influenced by a hot finish or a cold finish uh, seems crazy to me when we're talking about multi million dollar uh, investments. So check out this deal I got for for you guys right now. You can. Uh, Go to harrys.com slash collegebb. That's harrys.com slash collegebb. And they will give you uh, their most popular trial set for absolutely nothing. It's free. It comes with a razor handle of your choice, a five-blade cartridge, and some shaving gel. And it's all free uh, when you sign up at harrys.com. You just have to pay a small fee for for shipping, but that's it. Once you pay that, you're good to go. Again, that's harrys.com slash collegebb. Uh, BB. I personally have been using Harry's razors for years, and and here's why: it's quality razor, and uh, it's inexpensive. Certainly less expensive than what you're going to pay for another brand inside your corner pharmacy, and you don't have to go to the corner pharmacy. Like they're going to deliver them straight to your front door. So you're taking the work out of it. You're taking some of the price out of it, and you're still getting a quality razor. So uh, go sign up. That's at harrys.com/collegebb. That's harrys.com slash college bb let's look ahead a little bit to the weekend and the biggest game of course is North Carolina and uh, Duke if North Carolina wins it's back-to-back outright ACC titles and uh, not guaranteed of a number one seed in the NCAA tournament but man they'd certainly be on the on the right track if you win the ACC by multiple games with the resume they put together uh, certainly they'd be projected uh, on Sunday morning to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament if Duke wins uh, North Carolina will still be at least, uh, co ACC champions. Uh, but what it will mean is that probably, you know, Duke's going to finish the regular season with more top 50 RPI wins than anybody else in the country, which is something we talked about on the last, last podcast, but is worth repeating if only because it's, uh, it's pretty incredible given everything that they've endured this season. Who do you think wins it? It's at the Dean dome, North Carolina, Duke.
1: Yeah, I will take Carolina. I'll take Carolina to win. Um, Entertaining, but not a. I don't think it will be uh, all too dramatic. Give me, give me Carolina to kind of uh, have a little bit of distance down the stretch. Um, let's say 86, 76 heels. Uh, I know that's the big, um, it's the centerpiece game. But real quick, I had put this out on Twitter. I wanted to make sure that I was accurate with that. Just to give a quick little bit of love to the four auto bids. We will get auto bids. We will have four. Tournament teams officially this weekend. The Ohio Valley will determine its championship on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you get the Missouri Valley, the Big South, and the Atlantic Sun. So it will be exciting. You'll see um, teams get on the floor, having a great time. Always very fun to watch. Um, I do like the heels. Be an interesting Saturday, JP, because I don't think there's going to be too, too much drama in terms of general big conference basketball now we'll get some interesting games like i think notre dame at louisville could actually wind up being a pretty pretty good game i think oklahoma state's got a pretty decent chance at winning at home against kansas Um, marquette's got a big opportunity against creighton Uh, wake forest if it could win at virginia tech would really really enhance its ncaa tournament profile on the heels of that victory over louisville so i think that there's some interesting stuff um i don't know if there's a ton of Um, compelling stuff overall, but we will have plenty to talk about on Monday uh, between the auto bids and between the inevitable um, way that uh, teams that are kind of floating in the middle there in terms of their seed projections are just on the outside, how they do overall. So I understand that it's not a game a week and full of like headliners and Duke Carolina leads that to a large extent, but I think we'll get plenty of between that and Purdue and Northwestern, which I think a lot of people watch, um, maybe a little bit of Minnesota-Wisconsin on Sunday, Parish, um, see how Wisconsin responds or doesn't. Like, if they lose again, like, my goodness, Wisconsin's going to be in the 8-9 game at that point, I think. And we're talking about a team that was ranked seventh in the country like two weeks ago. It's just bizarre. Um, So it should be an intriguing weekend um, and probably have a a few unpredictable results. should be fun.
0: You know, I said North Carolina-Duke is the biggest game of the weekend, and it is, I mean, because it's North Carolina-Duke and it's, you know, two big brands and Hall of Fame coaches and primetime, all that stuff. I actually think uh, NBC final between Wichita State and Illinois State, to me, that's the biggest game of the weekend. Like, or, or, yeah, I mean, I'd that, agree. Yeah, I mean, that's the one I'm looking most forward if to. They,
1: they got to both get there, but
0: yes, they, I agree. They got to both get there. Um, but man, I mean, they would really um, – I don't know that they're necessarily two really good college basketball teams. I don't know that they'd necessarily be playing for, um, you know, like when you make it, lose, you miss it, because there is a scenario under which both get in. I think both should get in. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll write that on Sunday if if they both get there and then they play each other competitively on Sunday. I believe I'll be prepared to write put both of these teams in the NCAA tournament, no matter whether Wichita wins that game, uh, that hypothetical game, uh, or not. But they could be playing. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, The the loser of that game, if we get that game, Wichita State versus Illinois State on Sunday in the MVC title game on CBS, America's Most Watched Network, the Network of Stars. If we get that game, um, and one of them will obviously lose, and that that coach will not wake up feeling comfortable on Monday morning. They'll have to sweat it out the entire week. I think both should get in, um, but you'll have bracketologists out there. Especially Jerry Palm because he hates Wichita State. <laughs> you'll, have br- you'll have bracketologists out there having one of those teams out of the field.
1: Yeah, we real quick on uh, Wichita State. If they if they lose, we'll have plenty to talk about with them next week. Um, again, uh, without a doubt. And yeah, I wrote uh, I wrote on Middle Tennessee. And if you really look at what Middle Tennessee has done, it's basically right there in terms of Wichita State in terms of deserving to have an at large bid, in my opinion. Uh, but no one and oddly, no one really talks about Middle Tennessee, despite the fact they beat Michigan State last year. But uh, they are they are very much there. I'm, I'm practically almost there uh, with that team, Kermit Davis's team um, in terms of them. It, it would be an injustice, I think, if that team did not get into the field uh, real quick on Wichita State, though. I think this is something that people don't realize since 1988 Parish. They have only won the Valley Tournament once, and that was when they went undefeated uh, three years ago. So, and they only made the finals. See, they have not done well. See, Wichita State's been good, obviously, under Greg Marshall. It's a proud program. But they've only made the finals, I think, three times since 88 as well. So traditionally, the program, it doesn't play well in St. Louis. It doesn't play well at that tournament. And only recently has it even, even been able to get to the finals. You'll recall I'm I'm drawing this off the top of my head, but it might have been last year or the year before. They almost got knocked out by Loyola in the quarters, and so let's just see. uh, This team rates so well, uh, but it just—it's only won once. It's only got the auto bid from that league one time in almost 30 years. I'm interested to see how they do this season because they're so good. You know,
0: that's incredible. Like I had no idea that was true. Um, I was there when they won it. With Van Vliet and Baker, the year that they went undefeated, that was a that was a pretty cool twenty four hour period. I believe I was on that Saturday night in Omaha for Doug McDermott's senior day against Providence when he went bananas, like I think past two thousand points and scored forty three or something like that. Eighteen thousand people in Omaha, so I was there for that, which was awesome. And then I woke up on Sunday, flew to St. Louis, and got to see uh, Wichita State complete a A perfect regular season, which of course led to that awesome round of 32 game uh, against Kentucky. So that was a lot of fun. Another game this weekend, Baylor and Texas. If Baylor wins, uh, that'll set the record. I believe it'll be 25 wins in the regular season. That'll be the most wins ever for Baylor in the regular season. So shout out to Terry Teagle. Shout out to Devin Downey. Shout out to Will Leach. Shout out to Calvin Nat. Shout it out, man. You want to shout somebody out?
1: Uh no, I think I'm pretty good.
0: Shout out to Chester. I think you covered it. Shout out to Chester, South Carolina. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that, and we will talk to you after the Missouri Valley Conference title game. That'll be Sunday. You can watch that game on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It is the network of stars.